from a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler. Rebecca Walker Riesick, Ohio State Associate Professor of Marketing, will appear on January 21st at the Ohio State University's Science Sundays, where she'll discuss Do Healthy Diets Make Empty Wallets? How Consumer Beliefs Shape Food Choice. Welcome to Craft, Professor Resick. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, as I understand it, at your talk on January 21st, you'll be discussing consumer beliefs about food health and cost, which aren't always accurate. So tell me about some of these erroneous consumer beliefs. Okay, so I'm a consumer psychologist, which means what I study is how consumers make their day-to-day decisions about all the different types of products that they buy. And one of the things that really interests me is the assumptions that consumers make about the world around them, and specifically about food. So do people tend to think that there is a correlation between how much a food costs and how healthy it is? And what I found in a series of experiments that I conducted is that people do tend to believe that healthy foods are more expensive. And this is despite the fact that there's not necessarily any evidence to support the fact that this is true across all categories. In fact, in many categories, it may not be true at all. But people make their food decisions as if it were true which can lead to biased decision-making. So if you think you have to spend more money to buy healthy food, one of the things that might happen is you might say, well, why even bother? Because budget constraints might feel like they're more important at a given time than health constraints. Or it might just serve as an excuse to to not get started on trying to eat healthy. And it can also lead people astray where if they really want to eat healthy, they're actually spending more money than they need to because they think they need to buy more expensive products in order to get healthy where they're actually wasting money. Okay. Give me an example of some of the products that uh, a less expensive version of it might be even better than a more expensive version. Well, I'm actually going to start by telling you some of the product categories where it is true that healthy is expensive because those, I think, really are more the exceptions. So it is true, for example, that some products that are made, for example, for a special diet might be more expensive. Gluten-free is a great example. Gluten-free products are, in general, more expensive than products that are not gluten-free. There are also maybe some products that are lower sugar, maybe for diabetics, that may be more expensive. And some organic products are also more expensive. But here's where it gets complicated, is gluten-free doesn't necessarily mean healthier. Uh, Something that's organic doesn't necessarily mean healthier. The problem is there's a lot of ambiguity over what healthy really means. So one person may say healthy means following something like the paleo diet. So what happens is people have in their head, because they see specific examples, like gluten-free products are more expensive, and if they think gluten-free is associated with healthy, what happens is people start to overgeneralize, and they think, okay, any product that has special health properties, any product that's good for me, it's got to be more expensive in order for it to be good for me. The reality is there's lots of products in the grocery store that are very healthy, that are very good for you, that are quite affordable. Uh, Beans are a great example, something like lentils, very healthy, very affordable. But when we think about what is the relationship between health and cost, we don't think about things like beans or even a lot of uh, frozen vegetables or even fresh vegetables that are not organic. Very healthy for you, not necessarily expensive. But what happens is we've seen so much in the media talking about how expensive organic diets are, how expensive gluten-free products are, or even the opposite, thinking about um, all the sales you see for fast food where you can get 
really unhealthy food for a dollar or discussions in the media about food deserts where there are geographic areas in the U.S. that have limited access to healthy foods. So we hear all these stories and we start to put together this overall set of beliefs thinking that these individual examples all add up to meaning all healthy food is expensive. And we don't stop to think, is that actually true in every product category? And so we overgeneralize from some specific examples that may be true. We overgeneralize to think this is a true relationship across all product categories. And that's where we can get led astray. Okay. So what's your general definition of, of healthy? Um, do you have a specific set of criteria you say this is healthier than that? I mean, I would assume. So what we're actually looking at is consumer perceptions. So we're interested in what consumers think is healthy. And again, that's why it gets complicated because it's often ambiguous what healthy is. So one of the studies that we conducted is looking at a new ingredient that most people were not familiar with and looking at a new ingredient associated with a health claim. How do people interpret that health claim when they see that new ingredient paired with a high price versus a low price? And what we found in conducting an experiment where we paired this unfamiliar ingredient with a high price, then asked people, how healthy do you think this product is and how important a part of a healthy diet is this ingredient? When it was paired with a high price, we found people thought the specific product was healthier. Just because it was at a high price, everything else was identical across the two conditions in the experiment. But even more interestingly, they also thought that the ingredient was a more important part of a healthy lifestyle just because they had seen it paired with a higher price. So that's a good illustration of the power of this lay theory, this belief that health, healthy is expensive, and also shows how um, open to interpretation what healthy is to people, people's perceptions, because just seeing that ingredient paired with a higher price actually changed people's perceptions of how healthy the ingredient was. Okay. Now, you normally do this in uh, like a laboratory setting or something like that. Have you any data on what it looks like in the grocery store? Um, does it follow because, it you know, that can be sort of an artificial environment. You're like, OK, I've got these two things and then you choose that. Do you get to see people actually making the choices in grocery stores? So we did not do any field studies for this particular paper where people are making choices in the grocery store, but we did have people make simulated choices that look like what they would do in a grocery store online. And we do see people choosing as if they believe that expensive equals healthy and that healthy equals expensive. So for example, if you give people a budget goal and ask them to make a series of choices within a given product category, which one of these would you buy, the more expensive or the less expensive option? When you give people a budget goal, they tend to choose the less healthy option and vice versa. When you give them a health goal, they tend to choose the more expensive option. How does it look for the sort of longitudinal? Uh, are the folks that are buying things uh, getting better about uh, making the choices or do, do they seem to be um, more in line with uh, buying things that are not based on the perception of more expensive is healthier? What's the long range look like for that? One of the things that I see going on in the food industry is we see more and more introductions of new health claims and new trendy health ingredients. And in our studies, we find that people tend to rely on this intuitive belief that healthy foods are more expensive. They do that more when a health claim is unfamiliar 
or when the health information is ambiguous. So I actually see a trend where people are in some ways more likely to rely on this because they're more likely to encounter unfamiliar new health claims. You go into a grocery store, you'll see a new trendy ingredient like acai berries or something like that every time you go into the grocery store. And when you see those unfamiliar ingredients, people tend to, when they're not thinking carefully, which is often what we're doing in the grocery store. We're trying to just make quick, easy decisions and get out of there. Mm -hmm. And we're more likely to fall back on this intuitive thinking and not actually stop and think, wait, is this actually an ingredient that's going to make a difference in my health and my diet? Is it worth it? Should I spend the extra money to get it? Is this claim backed by the FDA? If you think about how you shop in the grocery store, I know I typically am not stopping and spending that amount of time thinking carefully about every one of my decisions. So as we get more pressed for time and as we see more unfamiliar, new, trendy health ingredients in stores, I think we're actually more likely to rely on it, on this intuition if we don't stop and force ourselves to to really think about a new health claim when we see it. Right. I, I when you said, how do you shop? I am a notorious cheapskate. And so for years, I have always gone to Aldi because there is no choice. You know, you have one option that you can get. And uh, uh, my son said uh, recently to me, uh, because my wife had done the shopping, it's so much better when mom does it because then we get name brands. (laughs) And I said, I think you're missing the point. (laughs) But you know what? That is one simplifying strategy. So often when we are shopping, we are trying to use simplifying strategies because we just don't have the time to think really carefully about every item we put into our shopping cart. So that's one simplifying strategy is I'm just going to buy the generic and save money. But another simplifying strategy is if I want to eat healthy, for example, that I will just fall back on this intuition and choose the higher price option, assuming that it's going to be healthy. And that's the idea behind the research is when we rely on that intuition, we may not be correct, but in all of our studies, we have a lot of evidence that the intuition really does drive a lot of our decision-making and choices in those environments when we are trying to use shortcuts, make quick, easy decisions. What about uh, places, say, when people are going out to eat? Um, Is there... Because you don't run into stuff like that. You don't run into claims when you're at a restaurant uh, along the same lines. But does that does that have any play? Do you see any sway when people are making decisions like that? Um, say they're choosing between two restaurants. Does this also come up? Well, I'm going to eat. I'm going to go to someplace more expensive because they'll have better ingredients. And it'll be better for me. Yeah, I do think it would extend to that context because we did do one experiment where we looked at choosing entrees in a restaurant and people did tend to assume that the more expensive entree was healthier. <laughs> really? Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah. I mean, the more expensive entrees are also things like prime rib um, and, and stuff like that, which uh, seem to me to be probably less healthy than some of the other stuff. I've been a big fan of the calories. Um, now that are shown on some restaurants. So it's interesting that you bring up something like prime rib because one situation in which people are not necessarily going to rely on the intuition is when the health information is unambiguous. So no one's going to think that a burger and fries are healthier than some salmon and grilled vegetables just because the burger and fries are more expensive. The intuition applies more when the health information is ambiguous, when people aren't sure. So choosing, for example, between two pasta entrees or two salad entrees or two chicken entrees, people will tend to assume that the more expensive one is healthy 
even though that that may not be true at all. So this is it's it's more applicable when people just aren't sure about the health information. That's when we're going to fall back on the intuition. Okay. What are some strategies uh, that people can use to avoid falling back on that intuition when faced with the ambiguity of going shopping? Well, one thing people can do is to slow down and stop and actually turn a package around and read the nutrition information on the back. If you watch people shop, very few people really stop and look at that information. You mentioned the the calorie information on restaurant menus as well. This is not a problem where calorie information and other health information is not available to us as consumers. It's there in many restaurants, or if it's not on a menu board, you can stop and look it up online. Many consumers now have smartphones readily available. Mm -hmm. Um, You can turn packages around in grocery stores. The, The easiest way to avoid falling prey to this is to stop and make what as psychologists we call more systematic decisions. So rather than relying on your gut, on your instinct, on your intuition, to stop and really think through those decisions. So again, if you see a high-priced new product that has an unfamiliar ingredient, a new health claim, or a health claim you're not sure about that's ambiguous in some way, stop and actually take the time to investigate it before you decide to spend the extra money to buy it. How does this impact, say, when you're at the grocery store yourself? How long does it take you to go through the grocery store? And has that time increased as you've been doing your research? You know, as I have done this research, I do find myself more skeptical of particularly new ingredients that I see paired with the high price point. I'm far more skeptical of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say it's also made me think that for future research, I would like to do similar experiments with experts to see are people that are expert nutritionists, dietitians, are they less likely to fall prey to this intuition or do even they fall prey to it when they're in a hurry, when they're thinking quickly? I have two young children, so often when I'm in the grocery store, even though I'm aware that this intuition may be guiding my choices, I'm in, you know, get into the store and get out mode as quickly as I can. So I'm sure I still fall prey to it myself often. And the children's intuition have to be taken into account because those sugar cereals on the bottom row are always the best. Um, You know, the ones right at their eye level. Uh, as <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's, that's what they want. And people often ask me, you know, where do we get this idea that, that healthy is, is expensive? And they say, you know, it, it can come from, from the media, from things that we've been exposed to, but healthy foods as expensive are not the, it's not the only lay theory that we have about foods. The other is the idea that uh, healthy foods don't taste good. So I've done some research on, on that lay theory as well. And that one we believe often starts as children when parents present foods to kids as eat this it's really good for you when they're talking about things like broccoli they don't say eat this it tastes great and it's really good for you they say eat your vegetables because they're good for you and we start thinking about foods in this very stereotypical way as a food is either healthy or tasty but it's not both so this idea that our our intuitions our lay theories how we think about food in these stereotypical ways can actually start very young so you had made one suggestion say eat this because it's tasty and good for you um, how many other, uh, now that my children are, are far too old for any of these things to work on them, uh, what are some other k- ways that you could present that to kids as they're growing up to get them to have better ideas about what they should eat? You know, that's something that I am working on as a parent. So I'm, I'm not a developmental psychologist. And that's one thing as I've had children, I think, gosh, I wish I had taken more developmental psychology. I'm, I'm working on the best ways to present that to, to my children. And I think 
not talking about these as discrete categories that don't overlap. So mentioning things as being both healthy and tasty or when you're talking about things that are very tasty, but perhaps not that good for you, um, maybe not pointing out that they're unhealthy, but saying, you know, this tastes really good, but this is a, it's a sometimes food. It's not something that we eat all the time, as opposed to right. actually calling it unhealthy, talking about frequency rather than this is a separate category from healthy foods. So they don't start to think of them as these really discrete categories. Okay. So you had mentioned one of the things that you had thought of was with other developmental psychology classes. What other sorts of things do you see in the future for research to look at other ways that consumers perceive food? What are your next steps that you want to take? I'm interested in people's lay theories about sustainability as well. So I have done some work looking at um, sustainability, not in terms of food, but in terms of products where strength is valued. So looking at, for example, do people believe that a, a green cleaner actually works? And we've got some evidence that people often think that sustainable products are not as strong and effective. They think sustainable products are good at being gentle, good at being healthy, but not necessarily good at, at being tough. And so one of the things I'd like to do in the future is look at where does sustainability fit in in this this map of food constructs. So what does it mean if something is produced um, in a way that you know minimizes water usage? Do people associate that with health? Do they associate that with a lack of taste? And I think that's still a pretty open question. So I'd like mm -hmm. to look at the lay theories people have about sustainability, not just with respect to effectiveness, but with respect to things like food health and food price. Well, Rebecca Walker-Resick, I thank you very much for talking to me today, and we're really looking forward to your January 21st appearance at The Ohio State University's Science Sundays, and more information about that can be found at crafttheshow.com. So thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. For more information from my guests, visit www.crafttheshow.com. This is Doug Dangler. Until next time, be creative. <laughs>